Welcome to Revitalize and Replant with Mark Clifton, where we equip pastors to take their churches from declining to thriving by pointing them to a new future and a new hope. Join us weekly for encouragement and practical advice in your pastoring journey. Welcome to Revitalize and Replant with Mark Clifton, who is... uh, who is taking time. Your schedule I know. amazes it me. It is amazing. As we do this podcast, uh, I'm going to be going to uh, Columbia, Missouri. Now, this is we record this ahead of time. Columbia, Missouri on Sunday, and then I'm going to end up in uh, uh, Tucson, and then I'm going to go to Illinois, and then I'm going to go to Alaska. And, uh, yeah, it's 40 or 45 uh, trips a year probably. And, that's, and then in town I do a lot of stuff. But I love it. I love serving pastors. I love being with churches. I love. I just want to use everything I got in the years I have left to care for and love dying churches. And really, one of the best tools we have, obviously, is the New Testament. But right there is is Richard and Henry Blackaby's book, Flickering Lamps, which is really taken from the Book of Revelation and and Jesus speaking to those churches in the Book of Revelation. And Richard and Henry, at our request, our replant team wrote this book. So you can use it in your church to help introduce them to the idea that the church does not belong to them. It belongs to Jesus, and it's his church to do with what he wants. So we have done a whole series of podcasts on this book, and this is the last in that series. And today we're looking at the final chapter of Flickering Lamps by Richard and Henry Blackaby. Flickering Lamps, you can find it at Blackaby Ministries International, including the video series that goes with it. And today's final podcast Dan, along with our brother Mark Halleck. How you doing, Mark? Hey, guys. Good to be with you. Good to be all the way from Denver. We're here in Kansas City uh, doing these podcasts from the studio of um, Spurgeon Library. We are in person, by the way. Yes. I mean, we're not looking at computer screens no, like no, other no. podcasters no. do. That's right. All right? We That's are right. here in person. You probably didn't have to tell them that. Well, we are. <laughs> we we just, we're just, not looking we at gotta be together. <laughs> we we got to be together. We're just talking over each <laughs> other, right. not paying any attention to anything. So. You know, back in the days of radio, my program director would have called me in and just been apoplectic. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we do have weather and the eights on the nine yeah, yeah. on our podcast. <laughs> weather, weather and traffic on the eights. That's yeah. what I mean. Yet. So every, we're, we're talking is, about the preeminence of God's Oh yeah, I'm church. sorry. <laughs> uh, Kyle Kyle Beerman is our producer. So when I said weather and traffic on the eights, what, what does it mean when he keeps wagging his finger in the air? That's Kyle. That's right. He's saying move on with it. Come no, on, t- boys. today we're gonna we're gonna sum it up and run this whole thing together with this wonderful truth that Christ is preeminent in His church. Here's the deal, Mark Halleck, and you take this and run with it. I'm gonna put it up here. Oh boy. I'm gonna it's it's it, it's on a tee. Oh boy. Tee it okay. off right okay. here. It's like okay. tee ball. Here we go. Somebody is preeminent in your church. It's either Christ or it's not. Yep. What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, in declining churches, let's just think about it. Like, who is preeminent, really? Is it, are the deacons preeminent? Are the deacons' wives preeminent? Um, are there a few members in the church that are preeminent? Here's the truth. In a lot of churches, the pastor's preeminent. Mm. And some pastors like to be preeminent. Oh, man. Just to be honest, and I hate to say that, yeah. but it's true. It's true. That's why we got to remember, man, the pulpit is not your pulpit. It's Christ's pulpit. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've got to approach our ministry very humbly. But the bottom line is this is Christ's church. He died for his bride. You didn't. I didn't. No one else did. And so if he's – and he's the king, man. King Jesus is the king. He is preeminent. This is his church. And so our posture must always be one of submission, and I would say joyful submission to King Jesus and say, Lord, 
thy will be done in this church, in my life, in this church, and help us become a body that not only believes that, but, but lives that out by your grace and power. Jesus, you reign, you direct us, your will be done in our lives. Absolutely. Somebody is kind of calling the shots in every church. That's right. Part of the problem is, in some ways, in terms of just the, the structure of our church, the governances of our church, sometimes they're pretty, it's pretty unclear how our church makes decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times it's like, well, we go to the church council, and then they take it to the deacons, but the, the finance committee has to look at it, and then we have to take it to the church for a vote. It's like, well— We have so many cooks in the who kitchen. Can, who can say the final yes? You know, you know what? That reminds me, by the way. What? Sometimes the bylaws are preeminent. Well, I was—you stole my thunder. Oh, I did? <laughs> yeah, Doggone it. I'm sorry. I think okay, in, keep in going, many keep going, churches, keep going. <laughs> it may not be an individual— but it's our governance. It's true. Our bylaws it's true. That's are preeminent. Right. It's just true. I promise you, you can have some churches where a pastor could maybe veer off a little bit theologically, and they might give him a pass or <laughs> might not even know he did it. But you let him take a business meeting and not follow something in the bylaws. Oh, man, it's true. Dude, he's going to hit the road, Jack. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's the bylaws. That's it, man. You're, you're up to something, you know. <laughs> you can't be doing it. What is preeminent in your church? Yeah, is yeah. it the bylaws? Is it the tradition? Yep. Is it the governance? Yep. Again, what kind of organizational structure? Make, how do you come about decisions? How do you make decisions? Right. That, who, and people come to me and, and they say, you know, our church is declining. We don't have a pastor. Can you help us find a pastor? I know what they mean. And obviously they don't have a pastor. But in the right way, often we'll remind them, you, you actually do have a pastor. You've always had a pastor. Mm. His name is Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And you're looking for an under-shepherd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can listen to your shepherd whether you have an under-shepherd or not. Yeah. And are you seriously seeking your shepherd? You know, the worst question you can ask in a church, and there are a lot of bad questions, and we we get wrong answers because we ask wrong questions, but the worst question you can ask in your church is, do you think we should do this or not? Do you think we should go here or not? Do you think we should Mm -hmm. buy this or not? Who's in favor of this and who isn't? And that's basically how our business meetings go. We feel like we're some sort of a a town hall. I hear that all the time. We're going to have a town hall meeting. I, I think I know what they mean. We're going to have a family meeting where we're going to discuss everything. But I don't even like calling it a town hall um, because we're not a town. Right? Right. We're a flock, a fold, a family. Yeah. We belong to Christ. Yeah. We're his. We're not preeminent. Our opinion is not preeminent. Not. All right? right. So at the end of the day, as a pastor, you never ask a congregation who is for this and who is against this, who wants to do this and who doesn't want to do this. The only question you ask is, how have you prayed about it? And what has Jesus told you he wants you to do with his church? And if he hasn't told you anything, if you're not clear about that, then don't say anything. Mm. Right. Yeah. Because as, as, as someone once said, the last thing this church needs is your unprayed over opinion. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people are always anxious to give it. Yeah. So what is preeminent in your mm. church? Is it the Spirit of Christ? Do people look to him first and foremost? Is there a real sense in which... We're making a decision, and Jesus will tell us. And again, almost, guys, like everything we've talked about in this series of podcasts on flickering lamps, it begins with the pastor. If we don't treat Christ as preeminent in our lives and our ministry and our churches, our people won't. So talk to me, if you would, about how you, as a pastor, make Christ preeminent in your life and the battle you might have with that. Yeah. Well, immediately, because my mind is 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so I think for my life, first and foremost, how am I seeking to bring glory to God? If Christ is preeminent in your life, 
First of all, that means he is both Savior and Lord. Both of those things. He is Savior. Save me from my sins. Save me from an eternal separation in hell from God. But he's my Lord. He's my King. And I would take it in, in one other category. I would say he's my treasure. Mm. He is my treasure. And when I treasure Jesus, it's my joy to obey Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's my joy to worship Jesus. It's my joy to tell others about Jesus. Jesus is my everything. And so when I think of uh, the question mark of what does it mean for Jesus to be preeminent in my life as a pastor, it means as much as I love to be a pastor and as much as I love to preach and as much as I love to study and lead Bible studies and all these different things, it pales in comparison to the love I have for my Savior because of his love for me. And if that isn't the overflow of my life, if your, if your people look at you and can't say, my pastor is madly in love with Christ, mm-hmm. then something's wrong. And, and I don't say that to condemn us. I know there are seasons where we're dry spiritually and we're struggling. But the fight of our life is for our joy in the Lord. And so to get back on our knees, to plead with the Lord, you know, we think about go back and do the things you did at first. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember the joy of the Lord? Do you remember the simple faith that you had of singing praises to Jesus and quiet times in the word? You never outgrow that. And so, again, I think for me, the preeminence of Christ means he is Savior, he is King, he is treasure. Um, and the, my whole life, by God's grace, flows out of, out of those convictions. So here's two questions. First, to a pastor, as you are listening to this, Pastor. Do you, and I know on the surface you would say, no, I don't, but I want you to think in your heart, how do you behave? Do you believe that the church is yours to control? Mm. Do you even maybe subconsciously try to manipulate people? You want things to end up at this way. So how do I get from here to here? How can I make sure I get the deacons to approve this? How can I make sure this actually happens? Do you believe the church is yours to control? Or do your people think it's theirs to control? So here's the question, Mark. I know most pastors are going to think, well, no, Christ is in control. But really, are you the one trying to be in control of that church? Are you trying to make things happen the way you want them to? Maybe you think it's for Christ. I mean, Moses killed the Egyptian because he thought it was the right thing to do. He just hadn't talked to God about it. So you may be doing something thinking it's the right thing to do. And are you doing it on your own strength and your own power and on your own leadership? You know, we can manipulate people. We've been pastors for very long. We know how to make people do what they don't want to do. Or or because we feel like the people have authorized us. Authorized us to do it. So we're talking about preeminence in the church. Are you preeminent? Now, you would say, oh, no, no, Jesus is. Okay, but, but... Functionally, functionally, are you preeminent? Yeah. Are you the one calling the shots? Are you yep. the one making the decisions? Yep. Is this your desire to see this happen? Are you making these things? Or functionally, are there members of your church that are preeminent? And you have to subordinate to them. Yeah. You know, unless unless the treasurer, unless the secretary, unless the chairman of deacons, they're preeminent. Somebody's preeminent in your church. Is it you? Is it another person? As we said, is it perhaps the bylaws? But it's somebody's going to be making those decisions. And are people behaving in the church as though it is theirs to control? If so, that's going to end in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. What can we do about that? Yeah, yeah. That's the question. Yeah. How do you address that? Yeah. And I'll tell you this, guys. You address it at the cross. Yeah. You get people to realize. And, you know, I say the same thing over and over and over and over. 
I, I wrote a sermon the other day. I was really excited about preaching. I, I don't normally wake up in the morning and God gives me a sermon. I went to bed the night before and I was supposed to preach this. I was going to preach in a particular place and just didn't feel comfortable about it. And so I was really just, just I got in the middle of the night and read some scripture. But I woke up early before dawn. And like, God gave me a message. Mm-hmm. I really did. And that doesn't happen to me very often. And and so I, I went in and, and kind of typed out some notes mm-hmm. on the computer and mm-hmm. I was really excited about preaching it often. So I preached it and I felt really like, it was great, you know, not personally, but, you know, it was anointed. Don't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I came home, and, and Jill said, how'd it go? I said, I think it really well. I said, you know, God, gave, she said, I saw you get up early this morning. She said, yeah, God gave this message. And so I showed her the <laughs> I showed her the little note. She goes, you said all that bunches of times. There's nothing new there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I've said all this so many times. There's absolutely... Nothing new for That's me right. to say. Nothing new under the no, sun, nothing, man. Nothing new under the sun at all. <laughs> but I, again, what was I talking about? Tell me. Well, we're Tell me. T- we're talking about um, we're talking about the preeminence of Christ. Well, I know that, and, uh, <laughs> but I was headed somewhere with that story when well, I lost you were ta- it. You were talking about who is preeminent. Yeah, yeah yes, yeah. who is preeminent? Yeah, who is it? Is, is it yeah. us, or is it is it our people, or is it Christ? And how do we really know yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how, how and how does what's that look like? And yeah. and what steps do we make toward? Making sure that we can adjust our lives so that he is preeminent. And you, and where you went with that, and you were ready to preach, is you go to the cross. You go to the cross. You That's always where go I to went. the cross. Right. Because this is what I say all the time over and over and over. All right. In terms of your justification, it doesn't. Now, edification, it may matter. But in terms of your just, excuse me, sanctification, it yeah, may matter. Right. Sanctification, it may matter. Or edification, either one. But for your justification, it doesn't matter what you've done for this church in the last 40 years, mm-hmm. how much you've given to it, how much you've worked in it, how many hours you spent there. In terms of your justification, it matters not at all. It may not matter in your sanctification if you do it for the wrong reason. That's right. I mean, Mer- Martha was serving, but she certainly wasn't being sanctified by her service, right? But, but you know, service can be sanctifying. Yeah. But service is not justifying. Right. So you can people can serve in a church for 40 years mm-hmm. and give more than anybody else and do more than anybody else and it won't buy them one minute outside of hell yep you got it that's right the only thing that moves them from death to life the only thing that moves them from being object of god's wrath for all eternity to a desired blessed adopted child of god for all eternity is the cross it is christ amen and so you move to preeminence by pointing people to the cross by letting them see how much jesus has done for them by falling deeply in love with christ by warming their hearts back to the gospel yep. so that they love Christ for what he has done. And then they realize this is his church, yeah. not mine. He's preeminent, right. not me. It's his will, not my will that That's matters. Right. That's right. And you do that at the cross. You do that through your preaching, letting them see the gospel, letting them understand how much Christ has done and is doing for them. And, and as you lift him up, he becomes preeminent. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're not regenerate, and you constantly preach Christ crucified. You constantly yeah. preach the atonement. You constantly preach those things. They're going to become bitter about that. Yeah, You're, Listen, that's right. If, if you are truly a, a cross-centered, Christ-centered church, the lost will either get mad and leave <laughs> or they will get saved, period. Exactly. And in fact, you, you know pretty well that you aren't very potent in terms of your, your uh, gospel focus if unregenerate people are very fine and very comfortable in your church. That's so just the truth. At the end of this thing, we've looked at all these things about Christ and his church. We, we, we've 
great book, Flickering Lamps. We've looked at his purpose in his church, his plans for his church, his presence, his power, his provision, but it all comes to his preeminence. And we find his preeminence at the cross. As we lift up Christ, as we preach him, as our music needs to sing about him. Uh, on a previous podcast, we had uh, Keith Getty on our podcast on Revitalize and Replant some months ago. And Keith remarked that an incredible percentage number of songs uh, of a previous generation, you know, pre-World War II, the majority of songs, the vast majority of songs, over 70% of the songs that would have been sung in congregational worship were songs that were about what God has done, what God is doing, the power of God, the glory of God, the salvation of God, the, all of those. But he said now, in one generation, 70% of the songs mm-hmm. we sing are about how I feel about God. Yeah, yeah, that's so What true. my emotions are, you know, and how he makes me feel and my fears and my anxieties and those kinds of things. And it's when we get back to the preeminence of God, not the preeminence of ourselves. When we focus church on how we feel and what we want, no wonder we're preeminent. That's right. But when we focus on God and who he is, we find our joy in that. That's right. As Piper says, joy is not found when people make much of us. Our joy is not being made much of. Our joy is being able to do what? To make much of God. make much of God. No one, he says, no one goes, takes a vacation and stands in front of the mirror for two weeks and looks at themselves. You go to the Grand Canyon yeah. to see something beautiful, more beautiful yeah. than yourself. Or you look at the mountains, or you look at the stars, or you look at the ocean, something to, to take your breath away. Yes. You don't come yeah. to church to look at yourself. You come to church to, to be be transformed by God, yes. to, to, to see something bigger and greater. And when you have a, 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 you have a pattern of doing that week in and week out, and that's who your church is, Christ will begin to become preeminent. And then it'll be a natural thing for people to say, what does Jesus want to do with this church? Yes. This is say his the, church. Would Amen. you say the diagnosis of this, who's preeminent, what is preeminent, uh, all of that, would you, would you agree that one of the places to start is the worship? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I think what, the songs you sing, listen, literally, I mean, here are some practical things. What kinds of songs are you singing? Are you singing good doctrine that points you to Christ, or are you singing songs, like you said, that are they really make me think more about me. You're preaching. Mm-hmm. Are, is your preaching, you know, the Puritans talked about the stirring up of the affections of your people. The affections are our desires. Is your preaching stirring up the affections of your people for more of Christ? Or is it literally, and, and again, what I would say is, no, honestly think about this stuff. Like, don't just assume. Absolutely. Don't just assume, well, of course, my preaching. No, really, mm-hmm. does it? Mm-hmm. You know, and if not, that's okay, but what needs to shift? What needs to shift in your heart, your approach to preaching, the tone of your preaching, the focus of your preaching, how you handle the text in your preaching? So there's a preaching element to it. I think there's a counseling element to it. You know, the, the preaching is the public ministry of the word. Counseling is the private ministry of the word. And so when I'm with people, am I helping to stir their affections for Jesus over coffee? You know, this is what we do. And so it's one life at a time. And as that happens, it's like over time, this chorus begins to get louder and louder of praise. And you've got a church that's on fire for Christ again. It's important, guys. You want your church to be revitalized. You want it to come back to health. But you have to understand in order for that to happen, Christ has to have his proper role as preeminent in your church. And that takes intentionality is what, what Mark's talking about. 
You have to intentionally work at that all the time because Satan does not want Christ to be no. preeminent. So you're going to, have to be intentional about the music you sing, about the prayer that you pray, about yeah. the messages you preach, yeah. about the conversations you have. And, and you're going to have help your people fall more deeply in love with God and his word. And if they do that, if he's preeminent in your heart yes. and then becomes preeminent in their heart, then he'll be preeminent That's in it. the church. That's the bottom line. That's what it's all about. Check it out. It's called Flickering Lamps by Richard and Henry Blackaby. And there's a video series that goes with it, and basically it's just to help your church understand that this church belongs to Jesus, and he will do with it exactly what he wants if we will let him, and he has a plan for every church, including your church, and he will resource his plan if we make him preeminent. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, and uh, we appreciate not only your time, but your ministry and what you're dealing with. We don't always know what you're dealing with, but I'll bet we probably kind of know. Oh, we know. <laughs> we know. We've all been there, and we are there. Yeah. So uh, we, 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 we hurt with you, but we also pray with you, and we pray that the Lord will just really bless you in a very special, dynamic, and fruitful way. And uh, please uh, subscribe to the podcast. That helps us uh, gather uh, numbers of listeners, which makes it easier for us to market it. doesn't cost you anything, uh, although we're trying to figure out it would make it cost you something, but we still haven't figured that out yet. Uh, but oh, come on. Come on. Anyway. Uh, You're well, getting what it's worth what you pay for. Well, yeah. That's pretty much it. Well, once the That's trustees it. meet on this, you know, yeah. we can figure oh, no. it out. We have to yeah, take it to the church council, see what they think. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you in the next episode. Please join us again, and uh, we, we hope it'll be another episode that blesses you in, in God's immense way. Thanks for joining us today on Revitalize and Replant. This podcast is brought to you by the North American Mission Board, where we help dying or struggling churches regain health for the glory of God and the good of their communities. If you found this conversation helpful, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. To learn more about becoming a replanting pastor, or to explore resources about revitalization for your own church, visit churchreplanters.com.